Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and thank you so much for listening today. I couldn't be more excited than to have the guest that I'm going to introduce you to today because I had actually found the work of this gentleman back in 2008. For those of you who have been longtime listeners of the Path 11 podcast, you might remember that I had opened up a wellness center with an acupuncturist providing Reiki healing and acupuncture to combat vets. And so we opened up a nonprofit wellness center and we were treating them and We created this 12-week protocol to administer acupuncture and Reiki. We did a couple of different psychological testing and monitoring their physical pain and their nightmares and their PTSD. We had the opportunity to go to Fort Drum and provide sessions there. And then the veterans would come to our office and receive these treatments over 12 weeks. And we were able to collect data, present it to people and continue on with that. And it was a really fascinating work that I did and learned so much about war and PTSD on a totally different level as a clinician. And and somehow that turned into a job working at an Air Force base as a psychological health director. And the non-for-profit office that I was running had shut down. And the other woman continues that down towards Long Island in New York City. So when we were doing this work, we had heard of uh, another psychotherapist by the name of Edward Tick, and he was really integrating the soldier's soul back into their bodies when they returned from war. And he was doing, you know, ceremonies and we were referring our veterans to them, to him saying, hey, you should really check this out because he was pretty close by. We were running this wellness center in Catskill, New York. And Ed was in Troy. I think, believe he was in Troy at the time. So, you know, I haven't been doing work with the veterans for a while, but then all of a sudden his name pops up from the publisher saying, would you like to have him on your podcast? And I was like, oh my gosh, yes. I wanted this conversation so many years ago. So I'm really excited to introduce you to Dr. Edward Tick. He is a transformational psychotherapist, international pilgrimage guide, educator, author, and poet. He's a specialist in archetypal psychotherapy and the healing of violent trauma. He's the author of four nonfiction books, including his most recent book, Soul Medicine, Healing Through Dream Incubation, Visions, Oracles, and Pilgrimage. So that's the book that I had the chance to review. We have a much longer bio in our show notes that I would love for you to read. He has done so much work, like I had said, with the veteran community, and I would like to welcome him to the show. So hello, Ed. Nice to speak with you. Hello, April. Great to speak with you as well. And bless you for doing the the warrior healing work that you did. And thank you for remembering our earlier connection of, oh my gosh, about 15 years ago. Yeah. Well, this is a conversation that's been waiting a long time to happen. (laughs) I guess it really has been. So now you're living in Massachusetts, is that correct? You've moved out of New York? Yes. My wife and I have wanted to live in the countryside forever. So about eight years ago, we moved to central Massachusetts. So um, 
I'm about uh, eight miles outside of Amherst on a mountaintop. Oh, beautiful. Very beautiful. And we can punch into our conversation immediately. Since I work so much with war and violent trauma, it's wonderful to be on a mountain in the countryside, surrounded and drenched in nature where support and soothe myself is from the, the trauma work. So the contrast is important and wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Now, where was your, your center again? It, it was in Troy, New York, wasn't oh, yes. it? Yes, yeah. it was Troy and yeah, we were sort of neighbors. We were. And I had lived in Troy, New York, oh my gosh, for about five years when I was younger. I went to elementary school in Troy High for a couple of years. And then I went to the Catskill Mountains and planted myself there. So yeah, so Troy has a little, uh, Troy, New York has a little, you know, special place in my heart there. And another thing that we kind of have in common, we're both born in April, but you're a Taurus. Yeah, but you're an Aries. You're I'm an Aries. I'm an Aries. So I'm the 17th. I'm a little close, but yeah, when, when's your birthday? My birthday is the 24th. The 24th. Okay. You're a week older than me. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we might even get into a little bit of that story too in soul medicine with the Taurus and the bull when you were in Crete. So interested, you know, I've got, got lots of stuff. Hopefully we get through it all. But yeah, so it's it's really lovely to have you here and was wondering, you know, you've done so much work over the years, but, you know, the veteran work was really near and dear to my heart. It definitely changed my life. It was so impactful. It opened up my intuition and healing abilities like none other. I was actually able to see war intuitively and never had been there, but was on the field with them, you know, when I was doing work with them. So it was it was like I was right there. It was pretty intense work. I had to go through a little bit of uh, supervision because I had some vicarious traumatization, mm-hmm. you know, as well. You know, when you're doing that intense trauma work and hearing things that the average human being really sometimes never gets access to unless you're kind of in that 360 group. You know, it was uh, it was pretty, pretty intense work as a civilian, but some of the best work that I feel like I've ever done. So. I'd love to have you give my audience just a little bit more of a background of what drew you into that work because you've been doing that work, you know, for so many years and really introducing, you know, the veterans to dreaming, the soul medicine that we're going to talk about. And it is so important. And the fact that you could actually get veterans to come to you because that that was like a little trick, finding them and getting them to show up. Uh, And the fact that you're doing that is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And I love the spiritual component to that you're bringing back into their hearts. So I will let you take it away. Okay. Well, thank you very much for that introduction and invitation to dive in. And we could talk about that for our entire time together. It is so important, complex, deep, and really spiritual, as you've said. So the first thing I want to say in my response was, I invite you to change The language you use describing your experience from vicarious traumatization, which really does happen, but that puts it in a more negative pathological framework. Yeah, that's the that's the clinician in me, right? That you still and and we've all learned to think and talk that way, and we've been programmed to think that way. And so one of the main goals in my work is to depathologize our conditions because they're soul wounds and they shouldn't be thought of as pathologies and certainly not as mental illnesses. So instead of, I was vicariously traumatized by my exposure to veterans as a civilian and working with them. How about I was initiated into the world of wars and warriorhood 
by my intensive immersion into their world and working with them. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that. And that resonates with my heart so much more. <laughs> Thank you. You're, Thank you're you. very welcome. And so bless you. You and I are both initiated civilians mm. in warrior work, which puts us, you also indicated this, puts us into a different category. Civilians, and, and tragically, and part of the, the traumatic wound is that veterans and civilians in our society are so utterly alienated from each other yeah. and have been since World War II, since universal service ended. And in the country did not think it had to sacrifice when warriors were in service and in combat. So we have been developing at least a 70-year-old profound alienation between veterans and civilians. That itself is a source of trauma. Mm -hmm. so whenever warriors go off to a war, the civilian population is supposed to be, to know it, supposed to be supportive, supposed to also be making sacrifices and responsible for bringing the warriors home. And we don't do that. And you and your service to veterans and me and my over 40 years of service, we are providing the right role that civilians are supposed to do to bring, to do everything necessary to bring our warriors home. Yeah. And it's not about politics. It's not about whether or not we agree with the wars. It's about our responsibility to our sisters and brothers who have sized so much. Whether or not we believe it was right and necessary, they didn't ask those questions. They went and they sacrificed. So, so that, that's part of what's going on is that we need initiated civilians to, as you said, understand war and warriorhood and open ourselves to the experience and gain the wisdom and experience that comes from that type of intensive work. Yeah. So that's an initial response to what you just shared. So how did I get involved in this work? Well, um, how did I get involved? There's so, it's a complicated story, but I'll try to reduce it. We are going to be talking about the Greek tradition and soul medicine looks at healing and the ancient Greek practices that gave us the origins of psychology and, and medicine that we have today. So I was initiated into the Greek tradition when I turned 10 years old and the very first adult library book I took out when I was allowed to was the Iliad. Hmm. And literally, it either fell or it was pushed off a high shelf. I didn't choose it. It was a synchronistic event that I can't explain, but I was walking through the stacks wondering what I would read. And suddenly, it fell off the shelf and was in my hands. I said, okay, we're going home together. So I read the Iliad and I fell in love with the Greek tradition and began to learn so much about warriorhood. I had no idea I would be doing this work. So that's a small beginning. And of course, I'm a guy. And so, and so war stories and war role mo models, I grew up with them and with the American experience. It's everywhere all the time. And that's programming us as we grow up as well. And I'm 71. So I was raised by the World War II generation. So I knew lots of veterans who were never talking about being veterans. But, and I also knew many, many European refugees where I was born. There were many cost refugees and survivors from World War II. So, and in my family as well. So I was exposed to all of that growing up. 
I turned 18 in 1969, the height of the Vietnam War. I was in college protesting the war. Um, as it turned out, I didn't have to serve because of the lottery system, which people may not even know about that. During Vietnam, the, the, those of us in college had student deferments and poor people, minority people, people out of the slums were being taken in, in disproportionate numbers and dying in war in disproportionate numbers. So, so the lottery system was instituted whereby the government pulled number dates out of a hat to determine who was going to be drafted and who was not going to be. And it was an insane system that somebody had, I'm talking too much about Vietnam and war. That's okay. No, it's a part of it. Let it roll. Let it roll. Okay. So um, we have the phrase moral injury now. Moral injury is when something happens that, that we participate in or we observe that deeply offends our core value system. Everything about the Vietnam War and the experience and the way the government ran us was a moral injury, not just to our warriors, but to the entire country and to the generation. So when people were serving disproportionately in Vietnam and dying, being wounded or dying, having their lives wrecked, that was a moral injury to the nation and especially to our disinfected people. When the government said, okay, we're going to just pull numbers out of a hat. And you're going to be Vietnam, and you don't have to ever serve and do anything. That was also moral injury. Yeah. As it turned out, I got a high lottery number, and I didn't have to serve. People who got the low number while I was in college either said, it's over for me, I'm going to Vietnam, and they quit college. Or some of them ran away to Canada. Or some of them got a lawyer to try to avoid the draft. It was so controversial. And it was also insane to me that anyone could escape duty to the country and to the generation just by pulling a number out of a hat. Mm. So I continued to protest the war and I knew something was incomplete and missing in me because back to the word initiation, you achieve initiation by working with warriors. I want to achieve my initiation too. And in our tradition, we are taught that the, it's not only the American tradition, but it's worldwide, mythological, cross-cultural. Men have traditionally achieved their initiation from boyhood into manhood by serving as a warrior in their culture's service. And we have that as well. So there's something really missing in the cores and the souls of very many of our civilian men who never served. They kind of never grew up. I and mean, we have a lot of boy men. Right. I wanted to serve somehow, but I didn't want to serve in the Vietnam War. And so flashing forward to 1975, the year the war ended, finished my master's degree that year. And I was living in a, well, we were neighbors then too. I was living in Columbia County. Look at that. Okay. So right across the river from you. Right across yeah. from Green County, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I uh, could talk about Green County all day too because that was greatly work for my work with veterans as well. Mm. So anyway, I was living in Columbia County and I was invited to be a psychotherapist in the medical group there. And so shortly after that, the Vietnam War ended in 1975. Post-traumatic stress disorder was not recognized as a diagnostic category until 1980. Well, around 1976 or 7, as a young psychotherapist, Vietnam veterans 
started to come into my lives. And there was no diagnosis for them then. And there was very little literature about the psychological dimensions of the veteran experience. And at the time, there were what were then being called tripwire vets, veterans who were so traumatized, and I'm sure you experienced that as well, encountered that. They're still in the berserk state. They're traumatized. They're doing a lot of violence uh, and PTSD symptoms were very severe. So at the time, I was warned to not work with them. Vietnam veterans, I was told, are too crazy and too dangerous, and it won't be safe for you. But happily, I ignored that because I wanted my initiation. I was against the Vietnam War, and I'm against all war, but I also understand that becoming a warrior, gaining that warrior wisdom, is has been forever a part of the male initiatory journey, and I wanted it. And like you, I was impelled to learn what war experience really is like, even though I hated it and I didn't want to be part of it. Mm-hmm. And so, again, like you, I imaginally went to war. I was on the front lines in my heart, in my spirit, in my imagination, and learning how to do therapy with veterans. So I began that, as we're saying, in mid-1970s, and then... The diagnosis was not created until 1980. Now we'll get to soul medicine and to the work in Greece. After about eight or 10 years of really intensive therapy work with veterans, I realized that, first of all, our usual practices of therapy are not enough to penetrate the profound and comprehensive wounding that they have. I realized that What we call PTSD is not just a psychological challenge, but it's also physiological, and you were treating the body as well as the mind. But most importantly, it's a soul. It's a spiritual. So I now translate PTSD, the acronym we have for post-traumatic stress disorder, in two different ways. I call it post-traumatic soul distress It's not just a nervous system stress disorder. It is a comprehensive wound to everything about us. Our bodies, our minds, our hearts, our spirits, our value system, our morality, our place in the country, in history, in the cosmos. Everything that's ever been attributed to the soul is wounded and distorted by this very severe violent experience against life. So it's a soul wound and somehow had to be treated on that level. Secondly, I also translate the acronym as post-traumatic social disorder. It's not an individual wound. It's a collective wound that comes from the entire society and the way we conceive of the wound and the way we are alienated from our veterans, make them a subclass, and treat them as disabled people rather than expect that this wound is normative and we're all responsible to heal it. It's also a social disorder because of the alienation between veterans and civilians, and the civilians aren't doing their work supporting the warriors when they're away, and really doing the welcome home and ritual and reintegration work that warriors need. Right. Traditional cultures all do that. They did not have this alienation of warriors. 
It's also a social disorder because we're giving so many, so much of our resources, our time and money and effort and lives to pursue war and practice war instead of practice peace and healing, including now when everything's falling apart. And mostly we're concerned with the wars going on domestically and internationally and spending many billions of dollars feeding the war and not spending that or paying attention to the domestic healing, healing our, our country or healing the climate. So we're still in that of war, war and war practices and the war economy are de- dominating our country and our concerns. And that continues the social disorder. And veterans to this day are angry about it and wondering why are we spending so much money and time and effort continuing war, but not giving us what we need to heal and have productive lives. Okay. All of that being said, after about eight years or so of the uh, work with the best psychotherapy I could do at the time, I turned to other sources. I studied the world warrior traditions. So I don't only work with the Greek tradition. I also work deeply with the Vietnamese tradition and I lead as you said, pilgrimage is one of my healing practices. So I lead pilgrimages to Greece. I also lead pilgrimages to Vietnam. And so I, by now I've led 22 pilgrimages to Greece and 19 to Vietnam. Wow. And so I affirm that he, pilgrimage is a major healing practice and has been also for millennia. People have always gone on pilgrimage to sacred sites to immerse in the spirit world and have and achieve some degree of transformation and enlightenment through the ordeal uh, and the visits that happen during pilgrimage. So I used pilgrimage extensively. Back then, I, I went to Greece on a solo journey in 1987, specifically to study the citizen warrior tradition of ancient Greece and investigate how they successfully brought warriors home and reintegrated them into society. So much happened. That trip changed my life in so many ways. I have an earlier book on this tradition called Practice of Dream Healing. And I I tell the story in the very first chapter, but it's important. When I was in Greece in 1987, I went to the major healing sanctuary from ancient times, which is spelled Epidaurus in English. It's pronounced Epidavros. I didn't know anything about the healing tradition. There's still a major theater there that stages ancient tragedy in the summer times. It's a beautiful 14,000 seat theater. I went there in 1987 and I saw the play of the Trojan Women, which is by Euripides, one of the three of the original tra- tragedian, tragic theater yeah, sorry, tragedians, <laughs> tragic theater writers. And all three of them, by the way, were combat veterans. Tragedy itself came from the combat veteran experience. Tragedy was created as society-wide communal healing ritual to achieve catharsis, emptying of all the negative emotions that had accumulated from the war experience. So I was in a theater that did that in ancient times. I didn't know about their healing practices, but I saw the Trojan women in that theater. And 
that changed my life. One night of theater changed my life and changed my trajectory. I went into that theater thinking of myself as a psychotherapist for Vietnam veterans. I experienced through Greek tragedy the truths that war is an archetype. It's always this, the uniforms change in the political and social and economic reasons for a change, but underlying, it's always the same. It's always against life. It's always about violence and slaughter. It's always the values we do not want to live by. It always turns people against each other. It always causes the most severe wounding in a comprehensive way. Even the word trauma comes from that tradition. Trauma is an ancient Greek word that means it originally meant a stabbing or piercing wound. So wounded by a sword or a spear or an arrow was a trauma. However, the ancients, unlike us, they didn't separate body and spirit like we do. When a person was traumatized, the ancient people understood that the piercing wound is to every aspect of our being, our mind, heart, body, and and so the soul is wounded. The soul is pierced by the trauma. And everything about us changes in the direction of the trauma. And all of it needs to be addressed and rectified. So I saw and experienced that. And I did experience my own catharsis that night. That seeing war displayed on the stage in tragedy is such an intense emotional spiritual, social experience, it changes the way we think and feel, and it draws up all of the negative emotion that's in us. And we see our stories portrayed as universal stories. This is what happens to anybody, anytime who goes through this experience. So Greek tragedy is being used now by me and by others for healing our veterans as well. And there's some other, some good programs around our country that are doing that. That also led me to ex- explore what is the relationship of tragedy to this healing sanctuary? What was this healing sanctuary? Why was it the major healing sanctuary? Didn't know anything about it. And so since that time, since 1987, I've been working with this ancient Greek healing tradition. Briefly, the god of healing in ancient Greece was Asclepios and There were over 320 holistic healing sanctuaries all over the Mediterranean world. Epidotomus was the main one, but, and these stretched from not just in Greece, but from Egypt all the way to the Iberian Peninsula and from the Caucasus, like Bulgaria, Romania area to Northern Africa. And it is the origin of psychology and healing in the Western world. We don't know it. When I lecture in medical schools or psychology departments, I don't know anything about this tradition, but this is where medicine and psychology started, where our words come from. Psychology, psyche, psychology does not literally mean the study of the mind as we're taught today. It means, psyche means soul, and logi comes from logos, a beautiful, untranslatable Greek word that means something like the order and meaning of the cosmos. So psychology is the order and meaning of the soul. And when we are soul wounded, that order has become out of balance and disturbed, and it needs to be restored. Psychotherapy comes from this tradition as well. Again, soul, psyche, and therapeia, to serve or to attend. 
A psychotherapist is a servant of the soul. Psychiatrist also comes from this tradition. Yatros means doctor. So a psychiatrist is literally a soul doctor, not a medication dispenser as too many have become today. So to all of our friends out there listening to this, when you go for psychiatry, if you need to go for psychotherapy or psychiatry, be sure that the practitioner is able to tune in and talk to your soul. And that is your spiritual core is being witnessed and healed, not just your mechanics or your brain chemistry. The key practice in the Sclepian healing was what was called dream incubation. The sanctuaries were holistic sanctuaries that used everything that we have now in holistic sanctuaries, like Esalen Institute or Omega Institute or other holistic centers. So, and like your practices, they had acupressure, they had therapeutic massage, they had um, astrology, they had poetry readings, theater performances, gymnastics, nutrition, extreme sports, adventures in nature. They, the difference from their sanctuary to ours was people received all of these practices and that they didn't just sign up for one for an intensive retreat. They were free. They were a perfect universal healthcare system. Everybody is welcome, slaves as well as emperors, women as well as men. And you didn't pay anything until you had a healing and you made a donation or a gift for your healing afterwards. So if a slave could only give an apple, in God's eyes, it's what this person had to give in. That's fine. That's plenty. After the application of the holistic practices, people would wait for a dream or a vision or a synchronistic event that told them it was time to go before the divine. And the core practice was called dream incubation. So not the same as our, our usual everyday dreaming, but people would go into special sanctuaries that reserved for nothing else but incubating where they lay on a clinicos. We get our word clinic from this tradition as well. So they lay on a dreaming couch and they'd be attended by priests and priestesses. And this building was reserved for nothing else, never trespassed except for this encounter through dreaming with the divine powers. And they stayed in the incubation chambers for as long as necessary, hours or even days, just fasting and praying and sleeping and laying there, letting their imagination just unfold until they received what Carl Jung would call a big dream. Not an everyday dream, but some major dream that was a revelation that either healed them in their, in their dream, so they actually had were healed while they were dreaming, or they were given a recipe for how to heal themselves. And we have, we have over a thousand testimonies translated from ancient times into English and other modern languages. So we have the evidence for how this happened. And back to our concern about warriors, we do know that warriors, this practice of healing was especially popular with warriors when they were fighting each other. For example, when Rome invaded Greece and sacked the Greek cities, they always protected the Asclepian sanctuaries and they used them themselves. 
And some of the testimonies we have are, for example, a warrior who had an, an arrow, an arrowhead embedded in his body that was deep and inoperable. He would go to sleep in the sanctuary and have a dream that Asclepius, the god of healing, or another divine helper, came in the dream and performed a dream surgery. And Scout's honor, literally, the arrowhead spontaneously would pop out from the dream surgery and the warrior, the wounded warrior would wake up healed. Mm. And so we have testimonies like that, that this really happened. There's lots of other testimonies of different kinds of healings. Sometimes people are being given recipes for a remedy. So instead of going to the drugstore, for example, for a medication, another testimony I remember is, this is also a warrior, a warrior who had been blinded in combat and his sight couldn't be restored, he also went into the sanctuaries and he received a dream that told him to make a poultice combining ashes from the sacrificial fire in, on the altar of Asclepius with crushed acorns and make a poultice of these and spread them over your eyes and your sight will be restored. And he did it and it was. Wow. So there are very strange and interesting healings that there of these 300 over 300 sanctuaries, some of them had medical and sacred medicine combined and some of them didn't. So we also know that many of these healings were purely dream healings, spiritual healings without any medical intervention. And I've had some myself and I've also facilitated them and others. So I lead journeys to Greece. We fully immerse in pilgrimage in the Greek tradition. We attend tragic theater. We use and put on some tragic theaters ourselves with our warriors and others identifying them with the mythic figures and seeing how that myth replicated in their lives. And we go to Asclepian sanctuaries and we do dream incubation. So modern people have these transformational dreams as well. Yeah, the one story that you had in the book of the dream incubation, it might have been with the person John, where you had heard vomiting like twice, that he had gotten up twice and was vomiting. But then the people who were observing the sleep said he slept soundly throughout the entire night. But when he awoke, he felt completely like rejuvenated and cleared and was wondering if you could just recap that story a little bit. Because that was sure. really interesting. I will. It's an amazing story. I'll, yeah. I'll abbreviate it. We hope people will read the all story. Yes. <laughs> inspired by it. Yeah. So, yes, John was a Vietnam combat veteran who came to Greece with it. He had been through psychotherapy. And his own words were, the light was still out inside. My heart was still dead. Mm. So in Greece, we, we had two ritual days for John. One was that we went to the old Warriors Cemetery outside the old city walls of ancient Athens. Uh, and that cemetery would be roughly equivalent to Arlington National Cemetery for us, where great and ordinary warriors were buried there. Well, we went into the cemetery. John said it was harder than visit visiting the Vietnam Wall. So we gave him a lot of support, including Reiki and therapeutic touch to support him to go into the cemetery. He chose a gravestone and leaned against it while we all surrounded him, praying and giving therapeutic support. And he was torn by pain, but then suddenly his eyes opened and he smiled and he said, I don't know what happened, but it was like I was just by a thunderbolt and energy pervaded my body and I'm different. 
okay, we just, we didn't analyze it. We celebrated it. Then we went, we walked to the old city walls, the ancient gate Athens, where Pericles had originally given in ancient times his funeral oration over the Peloponnesian, the dead of the Peloponnesian War. We read that, read what Pericles said about warriors protecting their democracy and the highest values of a culture. Then we invited John to give his own talk, his own oration on that spot. He told his whole story, which is very moving and important, but the most important thing was that at the very end of telling his story, he told us, our group, and the Greeks who had joined us to witness this, he said, from now on and forevermore, I am not a Vietnam veteran. From now on, I am a spiritual warrior whose service was in Vietnam. Oh, love that. Right? So his entire identity shifted from I'm a rejected, disabled American veteran to I'm a spiritual warrior of all times. And my fate was that I served in Vietnam, but I, I became a warrior through my Vietnam service. I in no war, even though I hated that war and wounded me. So he went through a profound identity transformation that has stayed with him. And part of this core, the key in healing trauma is to enlarge the identity so much that the identity becomes larger than the traumatic wound. Hmm. In PTSD, the traumatic wound dominates everything and we experience life through it. Right. We, for our souls and our our consciousness evolves a larger identity. So PTSD shrinks. It's a wound that I'm carrying, but I'm a spiritual warrior and I can carry the wound in balance. So all that happened for John. Then we went to an island called Kos, where Hippocrates, the first scientific physician, actually was raised and opened the first medical school in the Western world. Hippocrates grew up in Asclepian sanctuaries. His father and grandfather were both priests of Asclepius. So he learned the tradition. He didn't use it medically, but he wrote about it. He learned it. And he also declared, rightly, this is from Hippocrates, that all illness begins in the soul and ends in the body. Mm -hmm. So if we dig down through the soul wound and can heal the soul, that will heal the body and the mind and the heart. On cause we did dream incubation, and that's part of the story that you reported. Uh, it was somebody else who was uh, disturbed and uh, vomiting during the night. It wasn't John. It wasn't John. It wasn't John. No, John really did. Well, what happened for John was that he kept having combat nightmares after we put him into incubation. He would wake up sweating or crying or shaking or screaming from a nightmare, and his helper would ask, do you need to stop now? Do you need to come out of the incubation? And every time John said, no, I'm not done. I know there's more. I've got to go back in. So all night long, this went on. And then when dawn broke and I was sitting with him then, he popped up the last time from the last dream with a, the biggest smile I've ever seen. His face was lit like the sun was it be inside him. And he said, I'm done. It's over. Well, good morning, John, I said. Yeah, good morning. I'm happy to see you. What do you mean it's over? And he said, I don't know. 
I just feel wonderful. My soul's back. The light's back on inside. The light that was out is back on. And I'm done with the nightmares. I'm empty. This was about a decade ago. And he really hasn't had any combat nightmares since then. He really did empty of his nightmare, all of his stored nightmare material mm. through the dream incubation and through the sacred rituals we did. So he is a spiritual warrior. He doesn't suffer from PTSD. He teases me because he says, I never needed a, an alarm clock until I met you, Tick. Now I sleep like a baby, but you don't, which is true. Uh -huh. And he serves other veterans. He volunteers in VA hospitals and works with other veterans from all conflicts and has also been a mentor to sandbox war veterans. So he's a healed person. He's a beautiful person. And he also leads his own healing journeys back to Vietnam. That's how healed. Wow, that is beautiful. He's become a servant of healing as well. Yeah, people are going to have to read the book if they want to know the other one, because I think John's story was first, and then the other one that I was talking about is next. But it's it's as miraculous as, as that one as well. So I know we're kind of coming a little short on time, but you've really covered quite a bit of things that I've highlighted in, in the book here. I just want to kind of look through my notes really quick, because there was... You know, a lot of the things that I was also highlighting in the book had to do with how our kind of traditional psychotherapy right now really doesn't talk about the unseen and we're not looking to analyze or talk about the dreams or like the synchronicities. And I think there's maybe a little bit more of a movement that's happening towards that, but it's been, I think, missing so much. And and people will go and search for it, right? That's why they, they go out and they search for the healers or they want to meet with a shaman or they want to be a part of a drumming rituals and things like that because the soul just, you know, longs for that. And I loved how much you highlighted that um, throughout the book too. There was also a really beautiful quote. And the one thing that I also want to say that really touched my soul too, that you were talking about was the definition of the psychotherapist and the psychiatrist. It was a totally different way to look at being a soul doctor, you know, or, you know, feeding the soul or the servant of the soul as we sit with people. And I've really moved away from traditional clinical psychotherapy now because it wasn't feeding my soul, you know, it's like I was sitting there, but was feeling like, okay, there, I know there's a different way. There's a different direction to tap into people and have them heal on that soul level. And that is also what completely made me change my whole process. And probably really after the experience working with the veterans and really, you know, applying the acupuncture and, you know, the Reiki and the energy healing and compassionate listening and being with them and, you know, their eyes changed. Like, the soul really came back into the body and they look different. The, the, the eyes just look totally different. Well, from a detached, numbed condition to we see the literally see the light coming back in their yes. eyes yes. and their trust and their love and their ability to connect with us. Exactly. And so the thousand yards stare goes away and life comes back into their eyes. And then we can achieve the most intense and soul-satisfying connection with them. I agree. And then another thing that I highlighted was your your story about your friend, uh, Const Constantinosis. No, I didn't pronounce that right. Yes, yes, Constant. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he, there was just this one line where he said, America gives you everything but steals your soul. Greece gives you nothing but your soul. 
And you were talking about hungering for soul food. And I just thought that was a really short but succinct way to kind of, you know, wrap things up. And I feel like a lot of us are walking around here in America, like, where's my soul? I mean, I'm sure as a psychotherapist, too, even though you're primarily we're working with veterans, I mean, the most common question is, I, I don't know who I am. Who am I? Why am I here? You know, what is my purpose? And and I think, you know, people listening to this episode, too, even if they are not a a war veteran, but have somewhere along their line, maybe have been given the diagnosis of PTSD or have had a pretty violent or traumatic event. This whole episode pertains to you as well, because like you said, a very important thing in the very beginning, which it's about the soul, you know, that this isn't necessarily like this diagnosis and we're trying to pathologize what people are. But if you look at how these events maybe disconnected you from your soul, you know, I think people can really listen to this episode and still relate to it, whether they've been to war or not. Oh, sure. And let us let let us, our audiences know, I don't only work with veterans. This is, is for everyone. Mm-hmm. And yes, everybody's looking for real spirituality again. And this is an ancient problem. This comes from Greece as well. Socrates tried to convince the Athenians to live for the what is good for their soul, to search for the true, the good, and the beautiful, not waste their time just making money. We have, that was the same problem that we suffer with today. The degree to which psychedelics and ketamine therapies are becoming popular Mm -hmm. because people are starved for genuine soulfulness, for spiritual experiences, and they don't know how to find it. So my book, Dreaming, Visions, Oracles, Pilgrimage, Synchronistic Events, there is soul food available for us. We can have profoundly soul-opening, soul-healing experiences without drugs, but through studying the ancient practices, using them ourselves today, and really going in search of our souls, not accepting the pathological diagnoses that are being imposed on us and not just treating symptoms. Symptoms are trying to talk to us. Most modern psychotherapy and psychiatry and medicine just listens to our symptoms and throws medications at them. We don't know who we are that way either. We don't know what our bodies and our spirits are trying to tell us. Mm -hmm. So we need deep and compassionate listening so that we embrace and live with our symptoms and let them lead us to health instead of crush them because we're just then we're just we're crushing the consequences of our symptoms, not the causes right right lovely i have loved this conversation so much you made my job as an interviewer very easy and clearly very intuitive because I've highlighted a lot of what you went through. So, but why don't we kind of end with you giving the listeners a little more information about maybe what you have coming up this year, when your next pilgrimage might be, if people feel really inspired and say, okay, I'd love to work with Ed. How how do they go about finding you, working with you, attending some of these trips to Greece and, sure. and more? Thank you for that invitation. Well, we are talking about my new book, Soul Medicine. So one great way to learn about my work no, for you, not be, not to sell the books, but because this is good for you. So check out this book and my other book on pilgrimage to Greece is called The Practice of Dream Healing. So both of these deeply explore this tradition and give delicious stories and teachings as we've shared today. I continue to work with veterans and I can, as well as others, and I continue to lead journeys to Greece. 
Actually, my next pilgrimage to Greece is next month. I'm oh, going wow. to March again. Okay. So people can contact me about that. And I'm doing one or two a year now, now that we can travel again. Hooray. And hopefully we'll be able to for a while. We'll see. But I have two websites, just edwardtick.com and mentorthesoul.guide. So there's lots of information there. Uh, uh, and she'll give my phone number if people want that. Is five Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If anybody's so interested, they want a direct contact soon. My phone is 518-727-8090. But through my websites, of course, people can find me and get in touch. And I'm always giving programs, retreats, and lectures on this material. So I've got a very busy schedule and there's lots of ways to get involved with this kind of healing if people want to. Awesome. And I have one last question because, you know, clearly, you know, the Iliad drops in your lap at age 10. You've spent so many years now over in Greece. And of course, I'm saying, okay, clearly he's had many past lives there. You know, and I'm just curious, do you feel super connected to one of the gods that you feel you are embodied by or have been connected to? And and who is that? Two. Well, one is Asclepius, because I'm his servant. Mm -hmm. As a psychotherapist, I am a servant of Asclepius. I've had my own dream incubation healings. We didn't have time to share those, but I have really experienced this several times. So I know it works because it's helped heal me. And the other God I'm most connected to is Poseidon, the God of the sea. We shared our astrology. I'm Taurus. Taurus is the bull spirit. I was born with a bull spirit. The bull is one of Poseidon's spirit animals. And well, another experience I'll share very quickly is that I was on Crete sitting in front of a a bull fresco from the ancient ancient Knossos, from the Minoan culture. So this was about a 3,000-year-old fresco, and I was just sitting in the museum staring at it, and I heard in Greek, like screaming, Emiotavros, Emiotavros, which means I am a bull. And it was the bull archetype awakening in me through contemplating the artwork, saying, well, you and I are one and the same. I am your spirit. And then later, and since then, I've explored a lot of the sanctuaries of Poseidon in Greece. And I've also had my own miraculous healing experiences in those sanctuaries. So both Poseidon and some of the sanctuaries of Poseidon in ancient times were places of asylum where people who were shipwrecked or homeless or war refugees could go and receive inviolable protection. So I use those sanctuaries as well as the Scythian sanctuaries in Greece. And I work with both of these God powers as very personally. They, I was going to say my own, but it's the other way. I serve them. I belong to them. They're mm. working for me. So beautiful. And you and I totally didn't have that plan. But if you remember in the beginning of our call, I said, oh, well, maybe we'll get a chance to hear the story, you know, of you connecting with the bull. And here we are wrapping the show up with that. So. Wonderful. Well, Ed, thank you so much. I would love to, you know, have you back on anytime you write a book, keep Path Loving Podcast in mind. And definitely you are on my referral list to people. So you're going to be bookmarked and we'll keep sending people your way. So thank you so much. It was really lovely to speak with you today. And you as well. Thank you so much for having me and facilitating a reunion for us. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I remember you being at Fort Trump. Do you? 
Yeah, I do. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I've had connections there, and I remember when how excited they were that you were delivering those healing services. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty. It was it was pretty amazing. They were so cute too. They kept taking their cell phones out and taking pictures of the needles, you know. And we were doing the ear acupuncture and stuff like that. So. Well, and thank you all so much for listening. I really, this was a really loaded podcast. I would say one that you could probably listen back a few times and keep getting more from it. So please check out Ed's websites. We will have all of that in the show notes. And if you know a veteran, love a veteran, have a veteran in your life that maybe has no idea about any of this work that is going on, please share this podcast and information and his books. It will do wonders. He's doing wonders for the world. So And thank you all for listening. Please share it, like it, rate it, whatever you need to do. Just get the word out that this beautiful conversation has happened. So take care, everyone. And I will bring you another great guest very soon. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate and review the Path 11 podcast in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, this podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Path 11 TV. Visit path11tv.com to start a seven-day free trial of exclusive video content on consciousness, healing, and life after death. That's path11tv.com. And be sure to use coupon code PODCAST30 to take 30% off your annual membership. Start satisfying your spiritual curiosity with a membership to Path 11 TV today. Bye for now.